Welcome back to the Welcome Back to Loser Like Me. It's, it's the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Our second attempt today. <sighs> See, here's the thing. is that Sometimes, QuickTime just doesn't like Tanner. Sometimes I have too many GERD recordings, and so then the karmic debt I've compiled must strike me down once again. I'm just glad that we caught it when we were still in the mindset and not like days later. Yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah. I just wish I had caught it. Like, usually when that happens, I catch it within the first 10 minutes instead of almost finish the episode. Yeah. But good news is that now we can streamline it because we've already talked about it once before. Yeah. <laughs> All the new jokes are old again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Hello and welcome back to Loser Like Me. It's a Glee podcast where we talk about Glee. This week, Rachel's dead. <sighs> if only. I killed her. Personally. <laughs> I gave her brain laryngitis. If only. <laughs> anyway, did you say your name? I'm Tanner. If you haven't I'm figured Christina. that out by now. <laughs> I hope that y'all know who we are. If you haven't figured that out by now, why are you listening to episode 18? I mean, who knows? Maybe they just wanted to jump in at the most recent episode, which like... Some people do. And then some people are like my friend Bree and are listening through all of my brother, my brother, and me. From the beginning. My friend Jackie's doing that too. Like, kudos to you, you brave soldiers. I can, I could not do that. Yep. Exactly. Alright, so today we're looking at episode 18 of season 1, Laryngitis, directed by Alfonso Gomez-Rayon and written by Ryan Murphy. It came out yes. May 11th, 2010. But we're pretty sure it's set in March, unless Ohio just gets a lot of Chinooks. Or unless they just decided that, hey, you know what? This Glee Club's got enough going on for them. They don't need winter weather on top of everything else. Exactly. Oh, Ohio, famed in story for its <laughs> warm winters. The, the previous Eon segment is literally just the last episode, and that's it. It doesn't address any of the ongoing arcs. Yeah, it's literally like, remember how last week we had physical happen? We had the glist, we had Run Joey Run, and remember how Ember broke up with Will because he made up with Shelby and let April stay over at his place, and only one of those four is relevant to the episode that we're watching today. <laughs> and only tangentially related. Yeah. It's like, so this is the episode when I, like, this is a filler episode, but this is also the episode where I realized that a majority of the back half of season one could be considered filler. Yeah, because not a lot necessarily happens to, like, advance the plot. It's it's not even character development. More of it is just character focus. Yeah, it's like, hey, do you remember that these other characters existed, but also we have to include Rachel because Leah Michelle. The Halcyon days of that one episode where Rachel didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. You mean literally two episodes ago? <laughs> yeah. This is also an episode where Rachel shouldn't have been saying anything, but she's physically incapable. Yeah. So... We start off with Puck 
getting his head shaved. Mm-hmm. Just rip that whole moca- mohawk off. And then we get a tracking shot through the school, like like from a first person camera point of view, as like the person and the camera walk past these hordes of extras, and all of them look at the camera in disgust and shock and concern, and then. The camera walks into the Glee Club where everyone's hanging out, and they just all turn to look like, oh no. Artie was willing to get something, but when he sees Puck, he gets distracted and he just keeps going and presumably hits a wall. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think that's fun. But yeah, Puck, Puck's head is completely shaved, which, hey, it's not a bad look for him. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person in the camp who says everyone should shave their head at least once. You say as someone who shaves their head regularly. Yeah, but I'm saying everyone should shave it at least once. And if it's bad, now you know. I think I'm fine, but I respect your position. Egg time. Egg time. <laughs> egg time. If you want to see me look bald, I'll just go buy a bald cap from, like, whatever is left out of the smoking wreck of Spirit Halloween. <laughs> no, they return to their home planet as soon as November 1st hits. No, it's November It's November 3rd, because November 1st and 2nd are the discount sales. <laughs> <laughs> in case you need a, an election-themed skeleton. Which, like, fucking mood. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people are reappropriating their 12-foot-tall Home Depot skeletons for Christmas, and I approve of that. Did you see the one of the person where they put their 12-foot-tall Home Depot skeleton, but they're, like, holding up Christmas lights and decorating the Christmas tree? <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Maybe I should order one of those, but I'll put it up for Summerween. <laughs> Anyways... Puck is shaved. Everyone's aghast. We cut forward to the empty choir room except for Puck and Santana. Santana is wearing an expression that says, why do people think they can come to me with their problems? Yes. It's like, what What about my affectation and my personality and my reputation make you think that, you, that I am interested in hearing about your emotional situations? Yeah, but Puck's like, uh, my mom was washing my hair and she found a mole and then when we went to a dermatologist, he had to shave my whole head, but it was just a freckle. Mm-hmm. And, like, in her defense, melanoma is nothing to be, like, happy-go-lucky about. Yeah. But also, he's like, oh, I just, I just feel like that one guy who, who his hair got cut and then he lost all his strength. And St. Tate is like, Samson? And Puck says, no, a gassy. Yeah. I had to Google this. I had to Google a gassy head shave. Apparently, Andre Agassi is a tennis player from the late 90s, early 2000s, who at some point shaved his head, but that wasn't relevant at all to how well he was doing in tennis. Like, yes, he had a two-year slump in the late 90s, but the, like, the next section of his Wikipedia biography is Resurgence and New Glory. <sighs> and he retired in 2006, which begs the question, like, was Puck just really into tennis as a kid? Here's the important question, which is, was he hot enough at the time that Puck's mom could have been into him? And so Puck would have seen him on the TV. Maybe. Of course, the other question is, why do they think that the audience would know or care who Agassi is? Although you bring up the crush, and I'm thinking, is Andre Agassi hot enough for Ryan Murphy to have a crush on him? We may never know. Why? And I certainly don't want to know. Why make a TV show if not to force in jokes referencing your very niche celebrity crushes? Because that's literally Ryan Murphy's entire reason for creating. I guess so. Am I wrong? 
I don't see the only Ryan Murphy I've seen is this and the new normal. I have to watch the American Horror Story to get a full image, a snapshot of his psyche. You have my blessing to do that on your own time. <laughs> and report back to me with any interesting findings you may come up with. I have I have no interest in watching American Horror Story, even if there are actors whose work I respect who are involved with it. <laughs> I will sing a recap summary to the tune of Too Shy by Kajagugu. Who I think that would get be entirely I think they get an anachronistically murdered in one of the seasons. That would not surprise me. <laughs> Anyways, Puck's like, Mwah, poor me, I have no mojo. And Santana's like, Yeah, you have no mojo, and so I'm no longer interested in dating you. To which I put down the note, yes, I'm sure this is the reason why Santana's not interested in you, Puck. <laughs> Anyway, it's time to get back on the puck humiliation train, because we get to then cut to the parking lot where it is definitely not winter. <laughs> and Puck gets surrounded by a group of ominously threatening nerds who just stand around, like, clicking their pens at him, like... Jacob and Israel is there, and that's pretty much the only reason why it's ominous and threatening. <laughs> yeah. They mock him and say that he doesn't have any skills anymore. And so then Puck, Puck is just like, yeah, okay, I guess I'm trash. And so he takes his backpack off and lets them hoist him into the dumpster. You know what this just reminded me of? Way back in episode three, Acafellas. Don't remind me of Acafellas. Well, it specifically reminded me of how in that episode, the only thing they focused on was confidence. And now you have to be confident. And this episode of Puck, it's like, your popularity is gone. You're not popular anymore. You need to get confidence so you can be popular. Exactly. But yeah, Puck is just, he just lies there like, I guess I'm trash. Did anyone want to take me out? <laughs> That's when he hears Mercedes doing some vocal runs with the Cheerios. And so he peeks out. He's like, wait a second. Mercedes. Okay, well, no, he says, wait a second. The black girl from Glee Club used to be unpopular, mm -hmm. but then she joined the Cheerios, through, so through the transit of property, she became popular. Mm -hmm. So if I date her, then through the transit of property, I become popular. Mm -hmm. And then he, like, he literally, like, tries to wink at Mercedes from the dumpster, and in his internal monologue, he says, Hey, that black girl from Glee, whose name I can't remember right now, you don't know what's coming. <sighs> And she just looks at him like, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, it's time for pills. <laughs> it's it's also time for a scene with your favorite side character. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Rachel is laying out all of her various vitamin supplements to Will, Shades of Leah Michelle to come, <sniffs> because she is exhausted and she is taking her vitamins three times a day. Because it turns out that she's the only one who is, like, or she's one of the only people who is singing during practice. And she knows this because she paid Lauren Zeises, leader of the AV club, to bug the glee room so that she could listen back to the tapes and find out who was and was not singing. <laughs> Lauren Zeises' price for this, by the way, was two boxes each of Melomars and Snickers. <laughs> There's also... During the scene where she's negotiating with Rachel, like, they're in the stairwell, and then, like, just a random student starts walking past, and Lauren immediately goes, Who are you? Who is he? Who is this guy? Who, who are you with? <laughs> and gives him a death glare as he passes. 
I mean, since she's negotiating with Rachel Berry, she's not necessarily wrong to be suspicious. <laughs> yeah, everything about Rachel is suspicious constantly. But Rachel was correct in this case because, like, once the mm-hmm. room is bugged and she's listening back to the tape, she realizes mm-hmm. that listening so- to the tapes is everyone doing actual choir while I'm still, you know, ma 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 but me, 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 me. but Quinn and Santana and Finn and Puck and Brittany are all just lip syncing to the warm ups, mm-hmm. and Brittany's name is still written down as just Brittany. <laughs> oh yeah, but Rachel is like, these people are not pulling their weight, and they must be punished. And then we have to cut over to Mercedes's locker. Okay, so what can I just say? Can I just say the pacing for these first few scenes is weird? Yes. Because it's a Puck and Mercedes scene, and then Rachel and Will, and then Puck and Mercedes, and then Rachel and Will in the Glee Club. And it would have made a lot more sense if it just went mm-hmm. Puck Sadies, Puck Sadies, and then Rachel Glee, Rachel Glee. Mm-hmm. But they're weirdly intertwined. That would have made more sense. And also, I forgot until literally now that Puck Sadies was in fact their ship name. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Puck Sadies. Spoiler alert, but Puck Sadies is done by the end of the episode, but they went strong for a while. It was like... You'd, you'd think that Puck would be shipped more with Quinn because she's like his canonical one, but no, it was either Puck Sadies or it was Puckert. <sighs> Listen, they wanted that twink annihilated. <sighs> I mean, I guess. I'm just very glad that I was not invested in either of those ships when I was actively involved in the shipping forums on Glee. Yeah. I mean, neither was I, but they're still, they're still popular to this day. Yeah. But yeah, Puck's at Mercedes's locker. Production note, locker decks. Ooh. Mercedes's locker, I think, has received some updates since the last time that we saw it. It now has clippings of the words equality and what was either range or danger. Ranger. Yes, I would believe that. Mercedes is a Closet Power Rangers fan. I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it. Like, t- let's... If we get time travel, Tanner... The second thing that we have to do is to time travel back and then convince Hasbro to let Amber Riley guest in that episode of Beast Morphers that aired yesterday. The one with the musical number. Yes, the one with the absolutely fantastic musical number. Just just let Mercedes play Diva Talks in the new movies. I would I would support that. Because you know Amber Riley would just absolutely like chew that scenery up and spit it out, and oh, yes. there wouldn't be an Amber Riley award for worst line reading. <laughs> <laughs> or is that Vipra? I forget. It's Vipra. No, uh, Diva Talks has the Viva La Diva award for best villainy moment. Ah, gotcha. Okay. All right, back to Glee. <laughs> yeah. But so, anyway. So Puck is attempting to seduce Mercedes through just through the concept of solidarity between black people and Jewish people. Uh, King Martin Luther loved the Jews. And she's like, look, you literally just said so many offensive things. You you just said ten offensive things. I am not attracted to you. This would not work out at all. Yes. And he's like, but I'm like a sex shark. If I stop moving, I die. This episode is really good for one-liners and just like out-of-context quotes. It is. And then Mercedes like, well, rip to you then, I guess, and walks away. <laughs> Which is the right decision. Yeah. And anyway, Dad's mad at the kids. I mean, Will's mad at- <laughs> Will is mad at the privileged misfits. <laughs> and he's like, why are none of you singing anymore? Finn's upset because 
Will kept giving vocal leads to Jesse. <laughs> Uh, Santana says that everyone knows her job is just to sit there and look hot. Mm -hmm. Um, Quinn blames pregnancy hormones that are making her moody. And for Brittany, there's just so many lyrics. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to note here that there is something that's a little bit true to choir, which is, like, in actual choir, if for some reason you are unable to sing or vocalize, but you are capable of being on stage on the day of a competition, then you are going to be on the stage and you are going to be lip-syncing. But the fact that they were even lip-syncing to the warm-ups is a little weird. I mean, I can't blame them. Like, Just if a they lot were, of lip-flapping? Yeah. Will is so upset with them for stopping singing that he's like, this is happening because we've all lost our voice. We've lost sight of each other, but also ourselves. So in order for everyone to find their true selves, they have to all sing a song about themselves and how they're doing at this exact moment. And Kurt is psyched. And this is the part of my notes where I wrote, oh shit, this is Kurt's turn. Yeah. Also, ev I'm sure everyone sang a solo. <laughs> everyone definitely did. And we should fill in the blanks for songs that didn't get sung at the end of the episode. They were all sung off screen. Uh, if only. <laughs> anyway, Kurt and Mercedes walk out into the hallway after finishing practice and stuff, and Kurt's saying some, you know, very stereotypical lines about, like, I have the same range as a 14th century castrato, but I've got what he doesn't have, a song by Whitney Houston in my back pocket. You know, in our first go-around, I said Kurt probably said something gay, but you know what? No, this is much more specific to Kurt, because I don't know any gay people who research historical castratos unless they're doing a, like, <laughs> a midterm on it or something. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. But yeah, they walk out of the hallway, and then Bert's there! Bert's Hi, here! Bert! Hi, Bert! Nothing can go wrong when Bert is here. Some spoiler alert, some things go wrong when Bert is here. <laughs> He's here to pick up Finn for a baseball game. Yeah, Finn, Finn's never seen a major league game, and he's real excited. Uh, and then Kurt's like, but, but what if I wanted to... No one asked me if I wanted to watch baseball. And Bert's like, Kurt, you're allergic to sports. He is. <laughs> the the, the one-episode football arc doesn't count. Yeah. And so then Bert and Finn walk off to go do sports while Kurt just stands there looking bereft. Father doesn't love me! We, we go ahead to the next day, where Rachel Berry has died. Uh, God, could you imagine what, what it would be like if that actually happened? <laughs> it'd, be like, it'd be like Game of Thrones. Yes. It would be like, oh shoot, we accidentally killed off our most, one of our most popular stars. Ty That's what happens in the Glee boot. Nice. <laughs> Defying oh, yeah, yeah, expectations! <laughs> I would, I would nice. absolutely... Watch the Game of Thrones showrunners try and write a Glee reboot. Oh, oh, I absolutely would not. It's the only show they have enough clout left to try and get a hold I, of. Let, actually, let me, let me rephrase that. I would absolutely watch them in the writer's room trying to write a Glee reboot, but I absolutely would not watch the final product. See? Because it would be extremely offensive. It, it falls into the same vein of Trump saying that the Secret Service would have to drag him out of the White House. It shouldn't happen for the good of society, but I'd still pay money to get a front row seat. Exactly. 
Anyway, but before it's before we have to discuss the musical death of Rachel Berry. Puck Puck decides to try and put the moves on Mercedes before they actually start practice. <laughs> Girl, you got more curves than a Nissan ad. Vroom vroom. <laughs> oh God. Hey little mama, let me whisper in your ear. Sound sound. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Will, Will tells them all to be quiet because it's time for Rachel to sing. Air quotes, sing. Yes, exactly. And what's her reasoning for the song that she picked today, Tanner? Okay, so Rachel is going to sing The Climb by Miley Cyrus uh, because it's about overcoming obstacles and her obstacle is you, my lackluster teammates who refuse to carry their own weight. And everyone's like, oh, okay, we get it. Come on, get it over with. And what happens next is that Rachel starts to sing, and as she sings, she gets progressively more and more out of tune. <laughs> and there are some absolutely wonderful reaction shots from the cast, like from all of the kids who are just like glancing around, and you can see them all saying like, is this really happening? Like, like it's, some of them what? were ready to just completely tune the fuck out because it's another Rachel Berry number, we don't have to hear this. And they're like, wait a second. Yeah. Something's She's, gone horribly wrong, and yet, horribly right. She is so out of tune that even Finn can tell that something is wrong. <laughs> and there's also a really great moment in the background where Will, who is sitting by the piano, looks over at Brad, just like, are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? Yeah, I'm definitely hearing this. And it's like, it's a very fun background moment, and I love Brad. Brittany likes it. Yeah. And at the end of the number, Will comes up to Rachel and he says, Rachel, I think you've lost your voice. And my note here is, praise Jesus! <laughs> I have some trivia about this particular musical number. Do you, Tanner? Um, is it the one where, oh yeah, um, so Kurt, or- Chris Colfer. Yeah, so apparently Chris Colfer was trying very hard not to corpse during this whole scene because he, it was very hard not to laugh at Rachel completely bombing. Yeah. Apparently he compared it to the worst American Idol audition of all time. Yeah. And at that which, point, they were up to American Idol season like eight or nine. Yeah, there, there were definitely worse American Idol auditions by that point. I mean, probably yes, but anyway. My trivia for the scene is that Leah Michelle had to wear an earpiece to help her sing off-key that was probably, like, feeding her pitches stuff. <laughs> and according to the Glee Wiki, if you're paying attention, you can see it when she, like, turns to look at Will. Which, like, I understand that, because if you're someone who is capable of singing, it's hard to deliberately sing off-pitch. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so important note here, listeners. Laryngitis does not automatically cause you to lose your sense of pitch. You might lose your voice. It's laryngitis of the brain. Yeah, so laryngitis of the brain. That would have been a better title. <laughs> but yeah, Rachel's horrified. Yes, Rachel's horrified. And then we get to go hang out with Kurt at his locker. Yeah. He's, um, he's checking, like, his crow's feet in a compact. Yeah, no, it's not a compact. It's, like, one of those mirrors that you'd use at a hair salon when they're trying to show you what the back of your head looks like. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Thankfully, he's interrupted from the concept of wrinkles at 16 by Sue Sylvester coming up and asking him why he wasn't at practice yesterday. He's like, I'm sad because my dad went to a baseball game with his girlfriend's son, who I also have a crush on. 
Mm-hmm. It's very confusing, like, and I don't think my dad can relate to me because I am gayer than the Earth is round. Yes. And then Sue does something that definitely sucks because she's like, how do you know if you're really gay if you haven't kissed anyone? Like, have you kissed a boy? No. Have you kissed a girl? No. Then how can you be sure of anything? You kids are so dumb with all of your labels. <laughs> so you like show tunes. That doesn't mean you're gay. It just means you're awful. <sighs> but this gives Kurt an idea for his Glee Club solo, and she's like, okay, cool, I don't care anymore, bye. I, I tried not to get absorbed into like the feelings of other people. <laughs> this was a mistake. We then get to fast forward to Kurt at his house. And Bert comes into the basement, which is Kurt's entire bedroom. And I'd like to introduce everyone to Kutch. Oh, is this Butch Kurt? <laughs> yes, this is Butch Kurt, who I am referring to for the rest of my notes as Kutch. <laughs> because it was better than trying to say... I couldn't call him Bert because that's just his dad. <laughs> so this is Kutch. It could it could be Butch Kurt with like the Butch exclamation point Kurt like. Inter- <laughs> he's yeah. my fan fiction AU. Yeah, Butch Bang Kurt. Because this twink has decided he's heterosexual today. Also, a little southern. Yeah, because it's Kutch not quite is Texas, dre- but it's like an Appalachia. <laughs> yeah, Kutch is pretty much just dressed like he walked out of the Bass Pro Young Men's Department. I'm almost certain he raided Bert's closet. Oh, definitely. Father, and- I'm a heterosexual now, and I have come to tell you that I will be singing. Pink Houses by John Mellencamp. A really, I think it's really brave for a Midwesterner like him to write a song about such bold design. And Bert's over here just like, it's it's actually just about the disenfranchisement of the American dream and how it doesn't exist anymore for working class Americans. Wow, that is, that is just fascinating. I like how I said it wasn't a Texas accent, but that's all I can physically do now. No, it's okay. Damn, that's totally fascinating, and I think us two red-blooded heterosexual American men should go down to a burger shop and eat some cheeseburgers, and you can teach me all about John Mellencamp. And he's like, okay, I'm okay with that. Anything to help you, my son, who I love very much, did you know that I love you? Also, also every John Mellencamp song is the same, he says. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, we get to leave Kutch behind for a moment, and... We get to go see Rachel at the doctor's office with Finn. Because apparently her dads were too busy to come with her to this doctor's appointment. They're busy at work until season three. Also, also Mercedes is out of the loop because he's trying to fend off Puck with a stick. Kurt is busy trying to be straight. And uh, <laughs> Jesse is in like Cabo with vocal adrenaline because the spring break tickets were non-refundable, I guess. Yeah. And Rachel then starts to like be hard on herself, you know, like, I'm just so annoying if I don't have my voice that I'm just an annoying only child. (laughs) And Finn's like, there's plenty of good things about you. And Rachel's like, really? Like what? And Finn says, Listen, listen, I'm sure they won't tell you that you'll never sing again. And then the doctor doctor walks in, you will never sing again. He w- he was almost definitely because he he then he says he was just kidding, but he could definitely hear them talking. And he's like, ah, finally, a chance to emotionally destroy a teenager. Well, this teenager in specific. Yeah. Go ahead, go for it, my dude. <laughs> but anyway, it turns out that Rachel just has severe tonsillitis, and he wants to remove her tonsils. 
And she says, no, if I cannot sing, then I am nothing. And besides, what would Jessie think? She then also mentions that she would rather take large doses of herbal supplements instead of antibiotics, which, thanks, Leah. Anyway, she's like, if Jess- if I do not sing, then Jessie will never love me again. And Finn's like, but he's not here. But you know who is here? I'm here. And I'm still interested in you, Rachel. Even after Run, Joey, Run, I'm still interested in you. <laughs> and if our relationship can survive that, it can survive anything. <laughs> That's very true. And now is for the raison d'etre of Jesse St. James's entire existence on Glee. Or the very least his name. Yeah. Finn is, Finn is singing Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. And it's a, it's a good song. It's really good. I think I actually like it better than the original. Yeah, I agree with you mostly because I think the original is kind of more more laid back and chill, whereas Finn's version is more like immediately emotive and stuff, if that makes sense. We're invested in it because it's a real Jesse and a real Rachel. <laughs> You're not wrong. Well, th- because um, like uh, the original Jesse's Girl was not written about anyone. Okay, but yeah, it's... Finn's not even trying to be subtle about it, so I'm assuming that the rest of Glee Club is just kind of politely ignoring the fact that he is singing a song called Jesse's Girl to their compatriot. I was going to say friend, but that's not the right <laughs> they're word. Their co-worker. Yes. That he is singing this song called Jesse's Girl to their co-worker, a girl, who up until literally a week ago was dating someone named Jesse. <laughs> and he circles her like a hawk at one point. Yes, and... And the rest of the club was just bopping out because this song is a jam. It's better than The Climb. I mean, that's an extremely low bar to surpass, but yes. <laughs> and this scene is kind of intercut with Finn still in the doctor's office watching Rachel get dressed behind the privacy screen. And she's like silhouetted as she's, you know, like buttoning up her buttoning up her sweater and her cardigan or whatever. And my daughter is just, is this Spring Awakening? It is a little bit leery. But yeah, and Will is like, everyone, this is the ra- this is the thing you should be aspiring to with your musical number, because that was very good. Do you think Finn, Will- you're doing a great job. Do you think Will picked up was Finn, what Finn was putting down? I mean, probably. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> That's if Will had the emotional brain cell for this episode. No. He's not required to think this episode, so why bother? I don't know. Um, but next is- uh, so the song is technically good. But the setup, oh boy. Yeah. The setup for this is that Buck says, Mr. Shu, I want to do my solo next. And he brings in the jazz, like several members of the jazz band of McKinley High School who are specifically- They're all black. He's befriended all the black people in the jazz club. Yes. He's joined a black church. Yes. And he listened to every Sammy Davis Jr. song ever recorded. Hey, by the way, did you know that Sammy Davis Jr. was also Jewish? Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Puck is pulling a Rachel Dolezal. Oh my god. <laughs> so, if if anyone listening is not immediately remembering who Rachel Dolezal is, number one, I don't blame you, but she is, I believe, the law professor? A white woman who decided that she just wanted to be a black woman for some reason. And who then went through, and I think she probably, like, I'm sh- I, we all know she started doing blackface, like, full-time, 100%. 
But I think she also was trying to, like, revise her professional credentials so that she sounded like she was black and, you know, like, appropriating black culture and stuff. Oh, oh, I'm on her Wikipedia page. It's kind of a trip. Because she was, okay, so first off, she was president of the Spokane, Washington chapter of the NAACP. Oh, no. For a year. Um, Then her white parents announced, yeah, she is white. Oh, no. Uh, Then she claimed that she had been subject to uh, uh, race-based hate crimes. And also, on the application of the NAACP, said that she was mixed race and had a black father. And her white father was like, no, this isn't correct. Oh, no. Um, Later in 2015, Dolezal acknowledged that she was born white to white parents, but maintained that she self-identified as black. Oh, my God. See, the, the only other notes that I have about this, the setup for this musical number, is that, like, there is a big difference between working to be interested in and to learn about the things and the cultures that are around you, and appropriating them to impress the person or people that you are around, or are interested in, in this case. Um... Which is an extremely bad look in 2020, watching this. But on the other hand, this is absolutely something that Puck would do genuinely because he is a dumb teenager. (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about the good parts of this musical number. (laughs) Yes, which is the new musical number itself. It's very good. It's fun. Everyone there is excited and is having a good time. He does bring Mercedes in partway through. And she's fucking giving her. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very good, and I want to hear Amber Riley doing more big band music. Absolutely, yeah. Because, like, she blows it out of the water. It's like when when Puck invites Mercedes into the into the musical number, it stops being a Puck solo and it starts being a, a Mercedes solo featuring Puck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My only other note here is that Santana is impressed, but she you can very much tell that it's in spite of herself. <laughs> yeah. So after this... Uh, Mercedes and Puck are basically acting a couple, like they're walking down the hallway hand in hand, and like smiling at each other, enjoying each other's company. Um, eventually they break apart to go their separate ways, and then Quinn comes up to Mercedes, mm-hmm. and initially you think it's going to be like Quinn telling Mercedes to back off of her baby daddy, but then mm-hmm. Quinn basically says, please continue dating Puck. I'm yes. currently living at his house, and he is driving me up the wall with his Super Mario Bros. theories. And his mom won't let me eat bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and it and they have a nice little conversation that's basically like Mercedes saying, "Look, I'm I I know that this is not going to be anything serious, but I'm enjoying the fact that I am currently considered attractive by lots of people, and I don't I don't mind that I am being used in this context." <laughs> yeah. Because my she, heart's not in it. <laughs> exactly. She's she is not emotionally attached to Puck. She knows that they're going to break up at some point, and her heart is protected. Uh, it's basically nice to have him as an accessory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is good. And then Quinn basically says, I love it. I love this for you. I'm not trying to warn you about Puck. I'm trying to warn you about Santana. She will try to kill you. Yes. That's, that'll come back in about ten minutes. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, I, and, and here's a note that I have regarding Santana being um, very protective or very territorial of Puck. I said, I guess that's her yeah. emotional support beard. <laughs> her emotional support puck hawk. <laughs> the next day in Glee Club, Kutch comes up to Will and says, 
Mr. Shoe, I've got my musical number all performed and I'd like to sing it if you don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yaint. See, if they really want to be genuine, they better throw a yaint in there. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He's singing Little Pink Houses. Mm -hmm. And the hit song fine. It when when the musical number starts, like you can see Finn perk up, like oh, I know this music, and then everyone's like, wait, (laughs) and they're like all the kids are glancing around amongst each other, just like, is this really? Is Kurt okay? Brittany likes it. What is happening here? Yeah, Brittany. Brittany is the only person who's into it, but like partially because Chris Colfer is affecting the Kutch voice. It's like, it It sounds like it's really going to tear his voice up. And like, I would like to hear him sing this when he is not affecting an accent at the same time. Because I bet it would probably sound pretty okay. And as it is, this is just okay. Yeah, and then after Will is like, hey, Kurt, I mean, that was fine. But like, he's kind of hoping you would do something that's more true to yourself. Because you can do things that literally no one else in this club can do. Mm-hmm. And he says... I'm not a box. There's more than four signs to me. <laughs> Mr. Schuster, I'm a proud heterosexual. And at the end of the musical number, as he's going to leave the choir room, because I guess they only had time for one solo in between classes or something, um, Brittany walks up to him and says, Hey, so do you want a date? Because this would mean I would have a perfect record. She's made out with everyone in the school except for him, and she didn't worry about that because she thought he was incredibly gay. But now he is this. Yes. You're just gesturing to all of me. Yep. (laughs) So, Rachel is dead. Yes. In the next scene, she's perished. (laughs) Rachel zombie walks through the hallway of McKinley High School in in a shabby housecoat and just carrying... A bowl of Cheerios, or store-brand Cheerios. <laughs> but they look real, like, nasty and mushy. Maybe it's just gruel. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly. And, and she's dressed like a swamp hag. Yeah. And then asks her what's wrong, and she's like, I am upset that my antibiotics have not immediately healed me. Modern science has done nothing, I must return to the land of herbal supplements. She's seen six doctors, and they all told her the same thing. Mm-hmm. But... Like, also, it's America, so she should be broke right now after six doctors. I um, mean, her dads must have lots of money. <laughs> of course, it's the homosexual elite. But yeah, and when she's complaining to Finn about how she has not immediately recovered her voice, she says, I'm like Tinkerbell Finn. Nope, hold up, I gotta do the, I gotta do the stressed out voice. I'm like Tinkerbell Finn. I need applause to live. Anyways, Finn's like, this is really pathetic. Wait a second. I've been inspired. I have a friend I'd like you to meet. And then he drags her off to a scene that'll happen ten minutes from now. It's fine. It's all gonna be fine. Everything will be fine. You know what else is fine? (laughs) Chris Colfer's kissing, apparently. Yeah, so uh, we get to go to a scene of Kutch and Brittany making out on probably the chaise in the basement. (laughs) Of course Uh, he has a chaise. Of course he has a chaise. It's a holdover from his days as Kurt. (laughs) (laughs) While they're making out, he asks Brittany, what do boys' lips taste like? And she's like, they taste like dip or hamburgers. Sometimes they taste like my armpits, because kissing my armpits is a big turn-on for me. And when I say that after that, she said those words, the kink meme went wild. 
Oh my god. I'm so glad that I was not on the Glee forums at that point to be aware of that. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think kink memes are a thing anymore because nobody uses live journal. Thank god. Uh, but yeah, then then Bert comes in. He's like, Kurt- he's like He's like, excuse me, son. You had a dot you had a sign on your door that says do not enter. I am being heterosexual today. I thought it was for one of your murder mystery dinner parties. <laughs> Oh, that'd be fun. See? Glee should have had a murder mystery dinner. <laughs> oh, good. I, I, need, I need some filler episodes for my fanfic. There you go. There you go. Anyway, Bert's like, Son, can I talk to you over here for a second? Also, hi, Brittany. And she's like, hey. She just sits in the, um, in the corner and dissociates during this whole conversation. I wish I could shred my brain off like that. <laughs> Say, I wish I could do that by choice instead of it just coming upon me. Yeah, that's a mood. Anyway, Bert, Bert talks to Kutch and he says, Listen, son, I don't care if you're heterosexual or homosexual. Just remember that I love you no matter what. Just as long as you're being yourself, okay? I am myself, father. I'm having sexual relations with Brittany. I have turned over a new leaf. And he says, okay, then I guess I'm going to go do something else. But if you're going to do anything, remember to use protection. And this is when Brittany like, comes back to this planet. And she's like, does he mean a burglar alarm? Yeah. So, trivia. The director for this episode, Alfonso Gomez Rejon, told Chris Colfer that he was being too good of a kisser. And so he had to kind of just lie there and let Heather Morrison do all the work. <laughs> Can I say, as a person who has kissed other people... Yes, please speak to your lived experiences that I have not had. Mostly guys. <laughs> but I will say this, that kissing is actually pretty easy, and you have to try to be a bad kisser. Duly noted. Like, you, you either have to be only doing chicken pecks, or just come in there with your mouth completely <laughs> wide open. Oh my gosh. Just like, ah. <laughs> That, that Saturday Night Live skit with Emma Stone and, uh, what's-his-face Garfield? Andrew Garfield? Andrew Garfield. <laughs> when they were just recreating the Spider-Man kiss, but in increasingly terrible ways. Until they don't it was know. like, they were like dragging their jawlines across each other's like, continental drift. They, the, <laughs> and then we're like, he says kiss normally. How do normal people kiss? I have no idea. Exactly. <laughs> God, that was so good. Yeah, that's the scene. In the next scene. That's the scene. Okay, so the next scene is Puck and Mercedes going down the hall, and Puck is like sharing his Super Mario Bros. theories with her. And here's some fun trivia for this. Puck mentions that Super Mario Bros. 3 revolutionized the franchise because it had Star Worlds, but the Star World was in fact introduced in Super Mario World, according to the Glee Wiki, and was not present in Super Mario Bros. 3. Puck is a fake geek guy. <laughs> fake geek alert. Get him. Just no shit about video games. Also, if this scene was recreated today, then Puck yeah. would have been talking to Mercedes about like half A presses and alternate dimensions. <laughs> oh, if you God. press these buttons right in Pokemon Yellow, you can clip directly into the Elite Four. <laughs> Mer- Mercedes stops Puck in the middle of his info dump about Super Mario Bros. 3, and she says, look, if you want this thing to work between us, then you need to at least pretend to be interested in what I'm interested in. And what I am currently interested in 
It's Frappuccinos. So please go get me a Frappuccino. (laughs) But it's like, yes, anything for you, my queen. Yes. And then he he ends up, like, walking through the hallway, like, past Jacob and Israel, who is terrified of him again because Puck is vaguely popular. (laughs) Yeah. Word in the blogosphere says that you're dating Mercedes Jones and he's a hot commodity, therefore you're scary again. Uh, anyways, do you want some lunch money? <laughs> and he's like, actually, yeah, I do want the lunch money. And then he says, "Go, I, my girl needs a coffee. and Or something. And then he stalks down the hallway and he ends up like scoping out Santana as he goes by. And she decides to be slightly interested in him again. The, as, as, like, Mercedes is standing at her locker still, she sees him, like, ogle Santana, and she gets a look of thunderous disapproval on her face. <laughs> so she pulls out her uh, 2010s flip phone. Oh, it's so good. To call Santana, who then falls into step right beside her. And Santana has a slide phone, because 2010, yes! Excuse me, can I talk to you for a minute? Uh Uh-huh, sure. You know, you look kind of familiar. Yeah, you do too. But, um, I just wanted to know, do you know somebody named... Huh, you know his name. Oh, yeah, I definitely know his name. I just wanted to let you know he's mine. (laughs) No, no, he's mine. And then they go into The Boy is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Fucking rips. (laughs) It does. It's a good song. It's... They, they kind of, like, they sing fight through the Glee classroom, and they fight when they're standing around the piano, and they, they pass snarky notes to each other in class. And as it cuts back to them in the Glee room, they are literally, like, becoming more and more physically aggressive as the song goes on. Yep. So- <laughs> but also, Naya Rivera has a good voice, and I cannot wait until they are friends, and they do River Deep Mountain High, because that song is, like, one of my top favorites of all time in Glee that I have seen. <laughs> Yes. Anyways, they get so aggro by the end that they literally start to fight. Will has to break them up because they're literally about to like fist fight in front of the glee club and Puck's like, <laughs> girls fighting over me. <laughs> fight, like fight, fight, kiss, kiss, kiss. <laughs> I wonder if Santana felt anything during this number. I mean, as far as we know, Mercedes is not into that, but we may never know about Santana. Mark me down as mad and horny. Anyway, my last note about this is that when they're, when they're, like, being separated by Will, Mercedes calls Santana a stick figure. <laughs> and I love that. Um, but then, like, the, the spiral continues for Mercedes because in the next scene, she sees all the nerds lined up in front of the dumpster and Puck is just tossing all of them in one by one. It's just like, wee! 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 And she's like, what the hell are you doing? This is not the guy that I'm into. And Puck's like, well, you're, it's going to have to be because this is how we maintain social order. And he's like, if you want to be popular, you got to accept that sometimes the popular kids just got to throw the geeks into the dumpster. And she's like, I think I will be a class traitor. Do it. But first, hey, Christina, you know what my favorite trope is? <laughs> what is it, Tanner? I fucking love with the, when you bring in a disabled person to inspire an abled person to realize that their life is not so bad after all. Oh, my God. Because, hey, Rachel, you, maybe you can't sing right now, but you better be fucking glad that you're not paralyzed. Yeah. So, 
This is tying back into when Finn said earlier, I have a friend I want you to meet. Because they go over to the Frethold house. Um, and it turns out that they're there to meet uh, Finn's friend, Sean. And Sean is... So Sean is paralyzed from the neck down. Um, he's played by an actual uh, paralyzed actor named... What was the guy's name? Zach Weinstein. Thank you. And I think he has a little bit more motion than Sean does. Like he's, I guess his spinal injury is a little bit further down. So he has maybe shoulders and part of arms. Uh, but yeah, he's like, hey, Finster. And like, yeah, Sean. And then uh, Finn holds Sean's hand up so they can do a fist bump. And Rachel's like, what the hell is going on? I'm so concerned and confused. There's a paralyzed person here and I've never seen one before. Rachel Are you just punk- <laughs> Are you punking me to make me feel bad about my life? Rachel's remembered that disabled people exist and she does not like it. <laughs> yeah, she has a full-blown panic attack. Yeah, and then they kind of, between Finn and Sean, they kind of explain Sean's story, which is that they met at football camp, and then Sean was Sean received a spinal injury during a football game. Yeah, and so he, he talks to Rachel about how, like, when he first got the injury... He just was basically screaming in rage for the first six months. Mm-hmm. Um, then his family was able to get him a wheelchair that he could move by blowing into a tube. And everyone was so happy. And then he immediately drove it into a pool. Yep. But then he uh, realized that there was other stuff he could do. Like, he can sing. And he's also really good at math. And he's kind of jealous for, at Finn for being able to audition for the Glee Club when he never did. Mm-hmm. And... and-, and- the, like, kudos kudos to Sean for being good at both math and singing, because usually people can't do both. <laughs> yeah, at the same time. <laughs> so Rachel's like, I don't understand. Are you happy now that you can sing and do math even though you're paralyzed? And Sean's like, no, I'm fucking miserable. Have you seen me? And then he's like, but also, like, I have realized that, like, while this this vehemently affects every single aspect of my life. It is not the entirety of who I am as a person and does not determine my self-worth, which is like a good lesson. I hate that he's here specifically to, to deliver it to Rachel though. Cause he will never be seen again. Yep. But yeah, so Rachel and Finn leave cause it's time for physio. And then we go into the next scene where Puck is really concerned because Mercedes is walking down the hall, but she's in her civvies now. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, she looks way better in her civvies than she does in the Cheerios outfit. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but then he's like, what happened? And she's like, I quit the Cheerios because I didn't like who I was when I was wearing the uniform. And then Sue was like, how dare you? And Nobody Mercedes quits. Is like, you either die or I kick you off. Yes. And Sue is also especially outraged because this means that they are out their lead singer when they are three weeks out from Nationals. And Mercedes is like, a rip to you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mercedes, like, pulls Puck aside and tells him, like, look, I also don't like the person who was throwing nerds in the dumpster yesterday, and I don't think that you like that person either. And he's like, damn. She's deep. <laughs> so let's see if that lesson latches onto Puck's neuron that he has. I think it does, actually. Let's hope. Because I, I would genuinely love to have my general dislike of Puck be proven wrong. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm not saying he'll be likable, but I think he'll stop bullying people at least. Okay, cool. Anyway, um, Kutch and Brittany then walk through the hallway, and there's a there's a lovely, delightful reaction shot from Artie as they walk by, and he's just like, oh my god. And then Bert walks in. Oh yeah, Brittany's also obsessed with Kurt's soft hands. Yes. My <laughs> secret duck fat. Gross. Yes, very gross. <laughs> but then Burke walks in, um, because he's once again going out with Finn, because uh, Finn caught a fly ball <laughs> during the game. Yes. So, so now are, they get- we are in, So we are in baseball season at McKinley High School. That's how far into the spring we are. But it's still March. It can only be March. I made the spreadsheet, I did the math, and I sang about it. No, I trust your math, Tanner. I trust your math. It's March, damn it. <laughs> Finn caught a fly ball, and that means that they get free hoagies and half-off moto across. Yes. And Kutch is very upset that he wasn't invited to go along with them to Boys Hangout Sports Night. And Bert says, look, I promise I am going, like, I, I am also doing this as a favor to Carol, the woman I love, because when we were at the baseball game, Finn was talking about stuff about his dad and about how he really misses him and Carol thinks that's good for him. So I'm trying to help. And son, I promise you, we are going to hang out. I promise you that we are going to hang out. And then he has to head out. <laughs> but then Kurt... Because Kurt's it's, back now. It's time for Kurt's turn! So listen, we, oh, we, we gotta break this down so much because it's, it oh, starts with Kurt. Kurt, Kurt. Kurt's, like, his persona begins to break free out of the yes. shell he as is... there's, like, a long, like, zoom out of him in the hallway mm -hmm. as, like, some suspenseful horns begin to play and you can see the wheels turning in his head and he's thinking, God damn it, my heterosexual life hacks didn't work. My dad is still... <laughs> I mean, in his brain, he's thinking, my dad still loves Finn more than he does me, which isn't true, but it's Kurt and he's 15, he's got a lot going on. Yeah. Fucking all and of that work and what did it get me? He is so upset that you can see Chris Culver's teeth. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of like holding his mouth in, like, half open and kind of like a teeth-bared snarl as he sings the intro. Like, all oh, that work, what did it get me? Why did I do it? And it's, it's, this song is so good. So, the song, so technically the song is Rose's turn, uh, for, and it's from a stage musical that I'm going to refer to as a musical fable, just because I don't know why we're saying the official title these days. I don't either. Um, channeling, I'm going to assume Ethel Merman, and even though I'm pretty sure I've seen uh, Bernadette Peters in this role more often. Yeah. Ah, uh, Glee should have tried to get Bernadette Peters. They would have wasted her, but they should have tried to get her on in one of the episodes. She probably said no. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, if Patty Lupone said yes to Glee, then Bernadette Peters probably would have too. Yeah, but Patty Lupone just has wildly varying standards, apparently. No, okay, but Patty Lupone elevates everything she was in. I don't know what context she's in on Glee. All I know is that she... All she plays herself. She, show she shows up in the second season finale. It's like, hi, I'm Patty Lupone. And Rachel's like, Patty Lupone, you're my favorite! And Patty Lupone is like, thanks, I'm sure your dreams will come true. Bye! Okay, that's good. But anyway. Anyway, back to Kurt's turn. 
It's the Kurt's turn. So. Like, Kutch starts his breakdown in the hallway, and then it cuts to Kurt fully as himself in his own clothes performing on stage. And this- I had a dream. I dreamed it for, for you, you, Dad. Dad. And if it wasn't for me, Dad. Dad. And if it wasn't for me, then where would you be, Miss Rachel Berry? Well, someone tell me, when is it my turn? Don't I get a dream for myself? Starting now, it's gonna be my turn. Gangway will get off of my runway. Starting now, I bat a thousand. This time, boys, I'm taking the bows and everything's coming up, Kurt. Everything's coming up horrible. I'm trying to do high kicks in my Google Hangout screen. <laughs> it is extremely hard to not just sing this whole ass song. I know. But yeah, this absolutely feels like the kind of vindictive shit that a musical theater kid would imagine themselves doing. And Kurt just has the yep. ability to actually make it happen in a physical space. Yeah, like... The only Imagine Spot section of this song is when his name appears in lights behind him. I don't think that's a... I don't think that is an Imagine Spot. <laughs> no, I, I was watching the background. I didn't see it there, like, after the song ended. But, but like, he did canonically, like, the a- after Bert left, he did canonically storm down the hallway to the choir or to the theater... Change into a more curt outfit, get on stage, and start angrily singing yes. his own rendition yes. of Rose's turn. Yes. My my specific notes about this number are, I'm assuming that when he references Rachel in the song, he's referring back to Defying Gravity? Probably. Okay. But also, this musical number feels, it feels desperate and shattering, and great job, Chris Colfer! Yes. And at the end of it, he kind of, like, he kind of, like, collapses to the ground from the emotion of what he was singing. Yeah. And, like, it it literally goes, like, full, like, full black screen. And then the lights come up, and then Bert is there! And he does do a little slow clap. Yes. Well, it's it's not a slow clap. He's just genuinely clapping, but because he's the only one, it sounds very obvious. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, now see, if that is a song that I know is in your wheelhouse, and I can get behind that song. Mm-hmm. And then Kurt's like, excuse me, what happened? What are, what are you, why are you here, Dad? I realized that you were kind of torn up about the whole hoagies thing, and so I let Finn go on his own, and he understood, because he knows that you miss spending time with me, too. So I feel and, like we, we should talk, you know, father to son. And also my cholesterol. Remember this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and Kurt's, Kurt's like, like, I'm, I'm fine, fine, Dad. And Bert is like, people do not sing like that if they are fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid. And so Kurt basically says that he's he's jealous because it is so easy for Bert and Finn to get along. And Bert has to put in work to like understand and relate to Kurt. Bert has a line in there about like well, like the the things that I am doing with the things that I am doing with Finn are things that I had dreamed of doing with you when you were a baby before you became your own person. And I realized that my idealized that my idealized version of what you were going to be was not accurate to the person that you are. And so my dreams changed. <laughs> and like, yes, I have screwed up, but I promise to love and support you. 
and I wrote down his exact line here, which is, your job is to be yourself, and my job is to love and support you no matter what. Yes! Bert Hummel, fuck yeah! I have I have some fun trivia about this. Do you, do you have any other notes about Kurt's turn and the wonderful, delightful aftermath? No, that, that uh, covers it for me. Okay, so fun trivia. This is the episode that Chris Colfer submitted for consideration for himself for the 2010 Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Musical at the Emmys. I remember that. He did not win. He did not win, which... I'm, I'm sure that whoever did win probably deserved it, but I'm just bummed anyway. But also, fun trivia! So back when they were filming Ballad, you know, in the first half of the season? Yeah? Kurt, or Chris Colfer walked into the auditorium where Ryan Murphy was hanging out at the time because they were setting up for the shots or whatever, and he said, Ryan, I want to sing Rose's turn. And Ryan said, Hmm. And then he made it happen because... What, you're going to turn down your self-insert character singing a song? <laughs> exactly. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yeah. And oh my god, we're almost done. We can't go out on a high note, so we have to go out on a Rachel note instead. <laughs> yeah. She, she comes into Sean's room, and like Sean's been sleeping, and he's all exposed, and so his mom like runs up and like covers him with the blanket. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's like, Hey, Sean, my voice is better now, thanks to the power of more antibiotics and positive thinking. You inspired me! And the herbal supplements. And the herbal supplements. I ate so many leaves, and then I realized (laughs) that even if I could not sing, I am more than just a person who can sing. I've got my berries. But yeah, so now Sean, she's like, you've inspired me. Now, Sean, I'm going to give you singing lessons because it's so important to yeah. give back. Yeah. So random weird question here. Do you think they have chemistry? No. Okay. I was like, she seemed unsure enough of herself that I was like, is are they trying to like force chemistry here or? No, I think she's unsure of herself because she's still uncomfortable being physically present with a disabled person. <sighs> anyway, it's time for them to uh, it's time for them to do some to do a sing, but it's not the actual musical number sing. That's not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they sing one mm-hmm. by you two. Yeah, and in the episode, Sean does actually sing along with Rachel for a few bars. Yeah. But the official release, it is just Rachel and Finn. Yeah, yeah. And the club. And Mercedes doing backing vocals. I'd like to note here that I think that I personally think that Sean's voice is pretty good. He has good tone. He does have a good tone. It would have been really interesting if he joined the club at some point. Yeah. But we can't, we cannot have that. <laughs> I would like to point out that the outfits that the, the club is wearing when it cuts over to them singing the song in the auditorium are really fucking ugly. It's double denim. It's li- It's the blandest gray shirts. With some slightly darker gray jeans. Yeah. And this musical number is so boring. Because it's literally... They're just singing the song that's one about how we're so united! And... uh, And it's just like, they just kind of sing. And there's some fun moments of, like, the different Glee kids holding hands with each other. But it's all of them just singing in front of this, like slideshow of stock photos of people holding hands yeah it's 
it's I honestly prefer it not like just listening to it, not watching the performance, because if you actually like take away the, the visual element and you just listen to the lyrics and Finn and Rachel, who are both kind of like this is almost like them trying to figure out their relationship. Mm-hmm. Where like they keep going back and forth and like messing with each other while trying to still be friends. They're like, well I like you, but now I don't like you. But now I do like you, but now I don't like you. And mm-hmm back and forth and back and forth and you ask for me to enter but then you make me crawl and I can't keep holding on to da 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 etc. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's fine. And then we get to cut to black over Rachel and Sean finishing their singing of the same, of the song at the same time. It's not a true duet. It's just them kind of singing at the same time. And then Sean was never seen again. Yeah, that's a series rap on Sean, y'all. <laughs> series rap. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much a wrap on this episode. All we have to do is figure out oh, thank the God. gold stars and what gets slushied. So, Christina, yeah. I started. What was your gold star song? Kurt's turn. Yep. Uh, actually, you know honorable no. Honorable mention goes to Jesse's girl. I'm actually... You can have Kurt's turn. I'm gonna pick The Boy Is Mine. Also a good choice. I really like The Boy Is Mine. Also, it's a fun fact that it's, like, Santana's first duet not her first solo because her first solo was in like a version Mm -hmm. but like this is the first time where it's like look at santana it's santana having a santana moment Mm -hmm. and it's good so like Mm -hmm. credit to her but also i do have to go with kurt's turn because look if i was trying to do high kicks during a podcast recording it has to deserve (laughs) my gold star song that's that's true that's very true um there weren't really any bad songs in this episode other than the ones that were supposed to be bad yeah that's true I mean, one was kind of underwhelming in the context of the show, but, like, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. So then what was your gold star moment? Um, I think my gold star moment... I When I was finishing typing my notes, I had written down the fact that multiple characters besides Rachel Berry got a solo in this episode. Um, but I think I have to give it to Bert Hummel. Bert Hummel being best dad. How about you, Tanner? I, I am also of the same mind. I, I do want to give an honorable mention to some of the one-liners, though. That's valid. Um, because I, too, am like Tinkerbell and need a pause to live. Why do you think I have four podcasts? <laughs> yeah, same. Three podcasts. Why do you think that I'm an artist professionally? <laughs> like, look, I'm not going to say that's not true for me, but, like, <laughs> we need to just make, like, an honorable mentions column. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe next season. It's too late. We're too far in. Maybe next season. We only have four episodes left. Yeah, we do. Um, as for the slushy moment, is it just the inspirationally disadvantaged trope? Uh, see, I was initially going to say Puck Dolezal, but <laughs> I I think I have to make it the, dis- the inspired disabled person trope because I, I can, I'm not going to say that I can excuse it. But when I t- when I said out loud the words "Puck is a dumb teenage boy who would absolutely do this," with not m- not bad intentions, I kind of talked myself out of it, and it is the inspiring disabled person trope for me. Yeah, which is and which is to say, Sean did nothing wrong. It's no. just their use of him in the show. No, he he did nothing wrong. Ryan Murphy did everything wrong. Yep. Ryan Murphy and whoever else was participating in this episode. I mean, Alfonso directed it. Yes. Rachel acted it. Yep. I hope that was acting. Because, yo, like, we joked about it, but 
Rachel looks so uncomfortable being in the same room of someone who's legit disabled that I do worry if it's Leah Michelle saying, how am I supposed to function with this actual disabled person? Oh god, I really, I really hope not. If, it, it would not surprise me, but I really hope not. Listen, get, like, d- don't, I don't, I don't want to say be super casual, but just be super cash. Yeah, treat people who are disabled like they're real people, because they are real people. So... Uh, one time at work, a lady came in and, uh, was trying to ask me something, and I tried to respond, but between the glass barrier between us and the mask, she didn't know what was happening, and so I just pointed at her ear, and she's like, yeah, I'm deaf. And I say, oh, sweet. Uh, pull out the scrap paper, write the answer to the question, show her, and she's like, okay, well, what's this other thing? Flip it over, write it down, here we go. Okay, thank you. That's it! Yeah! Just be super casual! Yeah! The people! Oh, boy. And it was, that's it. That's the episode. Yeah, that's it. That's the episode. Finally, we're done. After after two attempts at recording, we have succeeded. <laughs> Am I still going? I'm still going. I'm also still going. I can't confirm. Alright. So, huh. current no. events blast. Yeah, current events blast. Go for it. Georgia. Georgia. Thank you, voters in Georgia. Thank you. Okay, the, the first, thank you voters everywhere. Yes. People were trying to shit on Texas and Florida, but no, fuck that. I'm extremely proud of Texas and Florida for being as blue as they were, even if it ultimately went red. But the fact you got so close proves how good a job all the grassroots organizers down there are doing. Mm-hmm. So here's, here, America, here are your next plans. First, you gotta try and re-enfranchise all the prisoners. Yes. Because most of them are unjustly in there anyways. Yes. If you think that everyone in there is a serial killer, then you need to rethink a lot of stuff. Yes. Uh, then stop listening to our show. there are so many people imprisoned in the States that if you give get voting rights back to prisons, or, or even just felons, in Texas and Florida, then they will never be red states again. Yes, exactly. Coincidentally, a lot of the prison populations in those states are non-white. Exactly. Hmm. There's a connection there. The a, a country that doesn't allow its prisoners to vote has a vested interest in imprisoning people that vote against it. You're not wrong. Anyways, Georgia. The runoff elections in Georgia are in January, so be sure to register and get all that sorted out I... and get two more Democrats in the Senate, and then we own the Senate, and then Mitch McConnell will fall over, and then our friend Sky can, you know, like, light him, pour, dump him in the <laughs> pit. Yeah, the the what? Please, please definitely do research on this. But what I believe that I've heard about Georgia is that if you are going to be eighteen by, I believe January fifth is the runoff election. You are going to be a. You can register to vote, and you should participate in this election. Yeah. Um. Particular shout out, like particular shout out with current events to um the typhoon. I think it was that just like wiped out a significant portion of the Philippines. Yes. And also to with Philippines, make sure don't donate to government charities. Yes, because that money There's... isn't going to go where you want it to. I think I'm. I know that there are celebrities that have been. I think I think Raul Coley retweeted stuff from like a mutual aid that is specifically helping out people in the Philippines. Uh, but make sure that you vet people before you donate to them. Um, and also in Peru, there was a giant landslide that just like wiped out a large portion of like several villages i believe so they also can use your help aside from that i just have the standard notes over here about wash your hands wear your mask and remember to socially distance people because covid's going up everywhere yep yeah so please 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 be careful 
Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we're not there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can also be found at Loser Like Me on Twitter or through loserlikemepod at gmail.com. And so, great news, Tanner. Next time, have you ever had a dream? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, party pooper. I did have a dream. I dreamed that we have a guest next episode. Yes, and I hope the dream comes true. Yeah. I hope it doesn't get eaten by tigers. Is that how it goes? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Susan Boyle is here. Ah, okay. That's a lie. I've just crushed all your dreams. Oh, shit. Are we getting that next episode? Yes, we are. Oh, no. But our our guest is just going to have to deal with the two of us like, ah, about that. (laughs) But that's for next time. Yes. Three, two, one. And And that's that's what you missed on Glee. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me.